Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Oh god, you're doing accent now? <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean I did mean to, but I didn't I watched Harry Potter last night. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Also, I still couldn't get our DVD player to work the second time around, even though we actually had the DVD. Oh no. Did I tell you the debacle with the with the YouTube? Yeah, we tried to watch Harry Potter uh, illegally on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good Pixar movies on YouTube that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this was very bad. Like one was like on someone's phone, like they were holding their <laughs> phone and it was like their fingers. It's that for two minutes. Then another two minutes, it's like <clears throat> a different version. No. And another two minutes, it's a different That's version. So the sound. Just pay like $3. I know. And then I, and then I kept looking at Danny and being like, can we just rent it? And he was like. but we own it okay well why don't we just go down we were just so lazy yeah so then last night we got the movies out we brought the dvd player upstairs this was the problem we had to watch it upstairs put in the dvd player dvd player wouldn't play any of them and i'm like we had our soup that I made and everything all set oh, up. No, and I'm like, night. I'm fucking annoyed with this. Just rent it. And he was yeah. like, fine. <laughs> so he did. And then he fell asleep like 20 minutes in. Wow. It was so worth it. Anyway, that's that was my accent story. I, as some of you, the 10 people who follow us on Hi Instagram guys, saw, I went to SF MoMA the other day, which was super fun, and looked at a bunch of artwork and got inspired to make or spend time in the studio myself and artists for the future yay everything was so cool Mm -hmm. it's nice i think after ruth i mean we've been doing so many people in the same kind of time period Mm -hmm. that i need to start looking up people who are you know working and up and coming right now yeah that's definitely what my next one's gonna be yeah. But it scares me. The reason it scares me is because the people who are dead or old are probably not going to come back and be like, the fuck did you say it about me? <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> I get real scared to be like, these people are our peers, kind of. That scares me. Why? Um, I'm afraid of people. And okay. I don't. <laughs> Does that sum it up for that's, you? That's enough. <laughs> okay. I get it. No, I just don't like confrontation. And like, I just think it would be weird if someone was like but talking about my life. them. No, I know. But wouldn't it be weird if someone was like telling your life story and you're like, that's not how it goes. I don't have enough for a life story right now. That's the other problem. People who are working now, there's not as much to talk about. Yeah. We have to find like a different way to approach it than just a timeline of just have to find more to talk about hmm. okay i think we introduce ourselves first welcome to middlebrow this is my best friend amazing artist beautiful person smarter than me pretty much every day Lindsay schultz wow you just overtook mine haha <laughs> you can put yours in first because you you're the one who <laughs> really did a better job than me per always this is my Best friend and phenomenal artist just kicking ass in Denver, making it happen. Mama Bear, Olive Moya. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I, I didn't do that well. Jesus. <laughs> and this is Metal Brow, a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by us, completely average human artists. We mm-hmm. talk about art. We try super hard to be interesting. Super, super interesting. Ten people think we are. It's for mm-hmm. artists 
I wonder what percentage of those 10 are artists. It's for artists and people who want to know about art but might be intimidated. Trust me, we're right there with you. Yes. Today's artist, you should know because you clicked on the episode. (laughs) So it's no surprise. But it is Ruth Asawa. Yay. Ruthie, Ruthie. I know nothing about this either. Tell me. Oh, you're going to learn so much. Oh, I'm sure like five seconds in, I'll be so excited. Seems to be the the pattern. Oh, so you're like not excited at all right now? I mean, I'm excited. I just uh, don't know what to expect. And then as soon as we get into it, I'm like their number one fan, you know. (laughs) I hope everyone feels the same. (laughs) Okay. She's cute. I know that much. Why is everyone so cute? cute? I think I just like people. She's got heavy bangs like you do. Yeah, that's probably a little bit longer. (laughs) I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Because it didn't look that bad, but you're like, my forehead is just huge. <laughs> it felt so big. You know, I think another problem is I don't really put that much makeup on my forehead because it's covered. Mm-hmm. So I think, too, it was just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It felt terrible. It's fine now. Ready? Ready. To learn. I didn't know Norwalk existed in 1926. That's interesting. Okay, don't get ahead of us here. <laughs> it's the first sentence. <laughs> I haven't said it yet. Okay. Do you want to nope. report no. on Ruth here? I knew you were going to ask me you... that. I'm sorry. Oh. Goodbye. I'll be quiet. Okay, so Ruth was born January 27th, 1926 in... Norwalk, which we didn't know existed in 1926. <laughs> I wonder Norwalk. if it was just as... I'm not going to judge Norwalk. I'm sorry. California. Where? <sighs> and it's in Southern California, yeah. but where is Norwalk? I think it's in the Valley. I think it's in, uh, oh, I'm going to be so wrong. Inland Empire. Oh, it's in Los Angeles County. East of Downey and Paramount and oh. like a little north of Bellflower. It's like bordering Bellflower. Got it. She was one of seven children. Holy moly. Yeah. Cannoli. So her her parents were immigrants from Japan. And I don't know if it mentions this later, but just for so people know, because in some interviews, they were just mentioning it by terms. So her parents, uh, first generation, they're called Issei. And second generation, generation, which is Ruth, is Nisei. Oh, as like an immigrant? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just like adding an N for second generation. Well, one is it, and two is Ni. It, Ni, San. She or yon go roku nana hachi. None of those words are there. Which ones are you talking about? Q two. <laughs> I'm just counting to ten. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? You've gone off the reservation. I'm just saying oh. <clears throat> sounds now. Oh, yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. That's why I was very confused. Okay, uh, wait. So for, oh, it just means two. Got you. Is that what you were trying yeah, to so, tell me? Ichi or ichi. <coughs> Isei, one. Ni for two. Nisei, second generation. Gotcha. Get it? Yes, I do. Japanese lesson, done. (laughs) Her parents immigrated from Japan and operated a farm. So it said she was argumentative, so she was often working by herself in the field. And she was very good at stringing up the string beans. She had a kind of energy that you really only see in immigrant children. It is this relentless kind of labor. 
like she like her. kicked ass in the farm just working away stringing the beans <laughs> she's like don't want to talk to you because i'm just gonna argue with you because you suck so i'll be over here with the beans this is gonna be kind of a history lesson all of a sudden we're just kind of getting thrown into it are you ready is japs a nice word to say nope <laughs> it's a huge <laughs> title on the <laughs> it's not funny it's It's bad i'm laughing because it's bad oh no that's crazy i was just reading well yeah i mean it's a huge title on a yeah because it's world war ii what the it was all negative back then yeah everyone did so how much do you know about pearl harbor uh not very much i know it was bad understatement (laughs) i really do i mean yeah i think yeah i just remember it was bad and that it made everybody hate japan and then that's partially why we decided we could just kill a bunch of them with an a-bomb yeah do you without looking do you know what the date is in december sometime okay so yes oh seventh. Uh, yeah i always remember because it's near my birthday yeah december 7th 1941 a day which will live in infamy so this happened. So for those who don't know many details about Pearl Harbor, I'm just going to go over it because it's pretty fascinating. And why not throw some history lessons in here with some art lessons, right? Hell yeah. Just learn two things at once. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm really interested in World War II. So just another chance to talk about it. Are you interested in World War One? No. Okay. I'm really not. Yeah, fuck that war. <laughs> <laughs> do you even know who was in world war one because i guarantee the whole world. most people don't <laughs> that's the whole point of the world wars <laughs> it is why are you laughing at me <laughs> the whole world that's so funny that's what it is that's literally what it is when they were like look the whole world is in on this we have to call it a world war <laughs> that's hysterical germany was being an asshole again though they just weren't like killing jews right because that's why hitler became hitler right because he was in world war one and he just wanted to be an artist i feel like we should not (laughs) history podcast (laughs) we shouldn't history lesson listen up olive i'm gonna just zip my mouth (laughs) no i love it It was a surprise military strike by the Imperial Japanese Navy or Air Service on the U.S., which was, we were a neutral country at the time, against the naval base at Pearl Harbor in Honolulu, Hawaii. The attack led to the U.S.'s formal entry into World War II the following day, which was Monday. So Japan intended for the attack to actually be a, like, preventative action to keep the U.S. Pacific Fleet from entering the war, what oh that was the biggest fail whoever decided on that <laughs> totally screwed up so they're like, like damn it bob such a bad idea we said we were trying to get them out of it and now look they're in it so what the fuck <gasps> spoiler alert does not end well no it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't, no one should just don't talk to me about anything military we're not making fun of people dying it's just like war is confusing to me it's not that I don't respect what people do, but war definitely is confusing to me in the military. I've just never grown up with it. I don't really get it. Yeah. So it's hard for me. War back in the day was so much more interesting because there was rules to war. Was one of the rules to not drop a huge bomb on somebody? 
Because we definitely didn't pay attention to that rule. Yeah. Yeah. So they intended it to be preventative. Over the course of seven hours, there were coordinated attacks from Japan on U.S.-held Philippines, Guam, Wake Island, and the British Empire in Malaya, Singapore, and Hong Kong. Wait, I'm so sorry. What's the... How did they think this was going to help? I think by taking out uh, the military base in Honolulu, they were going to keep the U.S. from entering. Like, if they didn't have any of their ships and submarines and things like that... Like, it was this preemptive strike. <laughs> they could have just asked nicely. <laughs> <laughs> that was such Please a bad idea. Oh, Bob. So, as the first wave of planes... <laughs> oh, are, what? I'm sorry. America was like, you know we have more shit than that that we can send. <laughs> like, we have all this other country besides Hawaii. Hawaii is just like the tiniest part of our country. We have so much shit we're going to send now. It's just the worst plan. Now that I know that, I'm so annoyed. They're just I think the lesson there is just ask nicely first. Ask then nicely. if they say no, go ahead and take out all their ships. But okay. okay. So as the first wave of planes approached Oahu, the first wave was 183 planes. It was detected by the U.S. Army radar, and it's. If you want to get technical, it's the SCR-270 radar at Opana Point near the island's northernmost tip. And this post had actually been in training mode for months and was not operational at Mm -hmm. the time. And the operators there, Privates George Elliott Jr. and Joseph Lockard, reported a target. But Lieutenant Kermit A. Tyler, a newly assigned officer at this, like, intercept center place uh presumed it was just the scheduled arrival of six b-17 bombers from california so they're like yep it's just these planes coming in that we expected not like a huge fleet of japanese planes um and so and the japanese planes were coming in like only a few degrees off from the bombers Mm -hmm. so it didn't seem like that big of a deal but the operators had never seen a formation as large on the radar but they still like didn't tell Kermit A. Tyler uh, yeah. or yeah of the size. So just kind of like everyone failed was just kind of tripping. all across the board. Yeah. Just like there's this massive fleet coming. It's probably bombers, but it looks way bigger. We'll just keep this information to ourselves. <laughs> and then this guy is just like, you know, it's gonna be fine. I think there's two waves of attacks. I could be wrong. But it was a total of three hundred and fifty three Japanese airplanes. Oh yeah, in two waves reached oahu um all eight u.s navy battleships were damaged with four sunk all but one were raised and six were returned to service and used in the war later here's some other stats 188 u.s aircraft were destroyed 2403 americans were killed holy shit yeah, 1,178 others were wounded, 29 Japanese aircraft, and five midget, <laughs> find a different term, okay. <laughs> midget submarines were lost. Smaller submarines. 64 servicemen were killed, and one sailor was captured. No, so Now I'm even more annoyed about this whole bad idea. Right? I um, see why people are very upset about it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I blame I, my I, education I, for not really understanding this. 
That's good. Or I went to Pearl Harbor when I was younger and I want to go back because I feel like when you're a kid, it doesn't have as much of an impact. I was just going to say, yeah. When you're a kid, you don't even like know anyone that died really. So it doesn't make, you're like, people don't really die. It just doesn't go mm-hmm. in your brain. But 2,400, that's a lot right? of people. Japan announced a declaration of war on the United States later that day. It was December 8th in Tokyo, but the declaration was not delivered until the following day. Uh, the following day, December 8th in the U.S., Congress declared war on Japan. On December 11th, Germany and Italy declared war on the oh, U.S., God. which responded with the declaration of war from the U.S. against Germany and Italy. So everyone's like, we're going to war. War stupid. This just sounds like little boys. It's little boys like, no, I don't like you. Yeah, well, well I, don't like, I don't like you either. Well, he doesn't like you, so we're on the same side. And then, yeah. and then, that's what it sounds like. Also, yep. this also doesn't go with the whole thing, because it sounds like they attacked us, and then they announced we're going to, that they are going to be at war with us. Yeah. So, so they weren't the next really sentence. trying to keep us from war. So it says here, because the attack happened without a declaration of war and without explicit warning, the attack on Pearl Harbor was later judged in the Tokyo trials to be a war crime. Ooh. I'm just saying the initial thing where they're like, we're just trying to keep them from... Keep you out. Yeah, that's not really... Well, I think it was supposed to be like, (laughs) we're going to take, we're going to take out a lot of your, um, like, military equipment, Mm. Um, and then we're going to declare war on you, and then... I see. Okay. They should have, like, looked into American history more and seen how stubborn we are. So Ruth Asawa said, We were in the fields already, and it was about 11, and we were told to come in and got the news. Two FBI men came to pick our father up. We ironed a shirt for him, and he went off. I didn't hear from him for many years. So... After Pearl Harbor, Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066 on February 19th, uh, 1942, and this authorized the War Department to remove all Japanese Americans from the West Coast states. So here, if you look close on here, there's a these instructions to all persons of Japanese ancestry. You don't take anything. You have to, like, leave dogs behind. No, I'm just thinking this whole thing, like, sucks. <laughs> yeah i was just thinking yeah. about and how little the u.s has actually grown i was just that's exactly what i was about to say how yeah. it just is scary scary okay no one learns so there were about one hundred and ten thousand men women and children who were removed from their homes ruth talks about how they lost the far- all their farm equipment the horses everything they were sent to the santa anita racetrack what? And there were horse stalls that were whitewashed, like literally paint. And that's where the families lived. So for to give people an idea, horse stalls are on average 12 by 12 feet. So families would live in horse stalls at the racetrack. Ruth's youngest sister, Nancy, was visiting family in Japan when her family was interned. She was unable to return to the U.S. And Nancy was forced to stay in Japan for the duration of the war. Could you imagine being separated from your family and like... And it's just like kids who get deported from the U.S. back to Mexico who've never lived in Mexico and don't even speak Spanish like very well. It just is Mm -hmm. insane. It's like, go back to where you're from. It's like, I'm not from there. (laughs) I don't know anyone there. I don't have any family. All my family is back home. I don't speak. Was that a This American Life episode or something? 
it's fucked up it's weird i yeah this is the one where they had to go to mexico and they were like craving taco bell yeah yes yeah (laughs) it's like someone being like go back to ireland and i'm like i've never been to ireland i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) at least i can speak english (laughs) yeah oh she's probably so scared so Ruth was inclined to find the good in the grimmest of situations. And something kind of magical did happen in Santa Anita. Three men arrived in the internment camp from Disney Studios. Tom Okamoto, Chris Ishii, and James Tanaka. They were successful young animators who had worked on full-length features. Like in the documentary, they showed clips of Pinocchio and Dumbo. So I'm not sure if those were the ones they worked on or full-length features of Disney. Um, so Ruth began studying with Tom Okamoto after Santa Anita, Ruth and her family were shipped to Rower in McGee, Arkansas. Mm. It was a new internment camp out there. And there was this art teacher, Mabel Rose Jameson, and she would take some of the kids outside of the camps to sketch and draw. And they had like these drawings of sumo wrestlers and landscapes Um, And she even illustrated the camp yearbook, Mm -hmm. which is, there's photos down below, (laughs) because they didn't have photographs. So she did these, like, caricatures of everyone for the yearbook. And so this all set the stage for her belief that art saved us, all the kids, during the internment Mm -hmm. period. I just can't imagine children in any of these situations. It makes me cry. Mm -mm. I just don't get it. It's so not fair. And even, it's not fair for anybody. Like, these guys are just no. successful young animators and then just get plucked from there because we're racists. Like, not everybody who is from a certain place is a yeah. bad person or agrees with those things. Or, like, it just makes no sense. I just don't understand. It still doesn't make sense. Today, yeah. when it's happening, it makes zero sense. Um, Ruth wanted to become an artist. But she was advised to become a teacher, so she thought she would go to Milwaukee Teachers College. It was the idea, do something sensible, like have a secure career that like everyone still says. <laughs> mm-hmm. The interned youth had to go to school in the Midwest and stay away from the coast because the war was still on. When she was ready to practice teaching, they wouldn't let her because they were worried about her safety. They told her she would have to leave without her degree because of racism. Cool. So instead, she went to Black Mountain in North Carolina. She was finally able to fulfill her dream of becoming a working artist. It became the place for the most progressive art teaching in the world. Remember Joseph Albers from the Eva episode? And then de Kooning taught there, John Cage. It was amazing. So Ruth took the same design course with Joseph or Joseph Albers. like three years in a row because every year it was different. Oh, that's cool. So she was taking it over and over and over again. And then in 1947, her sister Chio uh, and her were invited for the Quaker-sponsored educational exchange in Mexico. So Ruth, when she was there, saw people making baskets for eggs on the markets, and she asked this one guy to teach her how to do it. And then when she returned to Black Mountain, she started making these baskets out of wire, which is what she's known for cool it's so random too the whole thing to be like japanese from california and then all the mexico and then what in the south then go to mexico like it's just so weird 
So she said, I was interested in it because of the economy of a line, making something in space, enclosing it without blocking it out. It's still transparent. I realized that if I was going to make these forms, which interlock and interweave, it can only be done with a line because a line can go anywhere. So here's one of her little baskets in the beginning. And then at one point, one of her friends asked what happened if she closed it up. And then it became a suspended Mm. object versus a functional basket. And that's where you see these hanging wire pieces that are her most famous. Thank God for friends. I know. Asking weird questions. (laughs) Yep. What if you totally took the use of the basket away and just closed it up so nothing's in there? (laughs) I'm just like, doing it. Do it. Good idea. It was this transparent. So we should kind of explain this so people can have an idea. Go look at Instagram if you don't. But... Olive, do you want to explain it? I mean, truly just think of two baskets made of wire, but formed together to make almost a ball. But a bunch of them, like if you look at the silhouette, it kind of looks like when a, like if a snake swallowed a bunch of different sized balls, you know how in cartoons where it's like <laughs> in yeah. their stomach looking that way and then small again, like where their body is, kind of looks like that, like one, two, three, four, five. There's five of them, so it just hangs vertically so it's like ball skinny ball skinny ball skinny out of wire and then oh Mm -hmm. and then there's like little ones inside of there too suspended yeah and then the cool part is the shadow against of it on the Mm -hmm. wall from the lighting would you say that's accurate yeah i think that's accurate and then like the part where there's there's three of the ball sections that have little littler balls inside of them and so those, the like opacity changes, they get, you know, obviously darker where more of the woven mesh is. Like against right? each other, yeah. Yeah. It also does kind of remind me of some sort of stomach thing happening. Mm-hmm. Like things inside of someone's stomach. And it looks almost more like a graphite drawing or like a pen it drawing. It totally does. It was this transparent form and it was made with this very simple repetitive action, like stringing those cream beans back on the farm. Mm. Most people would assume her work is Asian, but her work is actually multicultural. Clearly. So, yeah. Been everywhere. Miss Asawa said another influence came from riding on the back of horse-drawn farm equipment on the fruit and vegetable farms where her Japanese-American parents worked in California. She made patterns with her feet as they dragged on the ground. She said, We made endless hourglass figures that I now see as the forms within forms in my crocheted wire sculptures. Mm. In 1949, the anti-miscegenation mm-hmm. laws had been overturned, and these were in, to enforce racial segregation at the level of marriage and intimate relationships. Wait, what? So there was this, the anti-miscegenation law was so like, basically Japanese Americans couldn't marry or have relationships with Americans. What? Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. Oh, um, 1949. So in 1949, it had been overturned, and Ruth came out to California, and she got married to Albert Lan- Lanier. Oh, God, I should have looked that up. Looks right. Lanier. 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 Sorry, Albert. Um, someone she met and dated at Black Mountain where interracial couples wasn't a big deal because art places are that much more cool than the rest <laughs> yeah. of the world. They're like, hey, guys, we're humans. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't fuck any jo- animals. Joseph, Joseph Albers told 
Albert Lanier never let her stop working. Aww, and he didn't. I know. I mean, she can take care of herself. She's a strong, independent woman, but that's cute. Yeah. It's amazing someone. that someone like Yosef Albers could have such an impact. Like, Eva Hesse and Ruth Asawa, like, he must have been, like, a magical teacher yeah. to be so influential over these people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure so many more people who went to Black Mountain, yeah. but still. He's like that guy in Harry Potter who collects students that are famous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine being invited to that, like, secret roundtable dinner? Yeah. I love ice cream. What? Oh, what? What are you talking <laughs> right the teacher who yeah they eat ice cream at the table oh my god (laughs) it's like a huge (laughs) sunday and that creeper who loves you could have ice cream anywhere i just want to be a part of an exclusive club where people believe in you (laughs) oh i'm way more simple than that i just want ice cream (laughs) anyway now it feels like such a fatty I'm like, ice cream? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> no, I thought that was like a really weird meet. That didn't feel like that. I bet Joseph Albers was way cooler than that. That guy was just a creeper who was like, and who's your mom? Is she famous? How are they doing? I'm going to tell everyone I yeah. know that I know you. Yeah. No, I don't like how that was yeah. done. I just want to be in a cool, cool club. <laughs> You're going to say cult. <laughs> I just want to be in a cool basically cult. Cults. Yeah, me too. Okay. They said she really was an artist. Lived, slept, dreamt art. I wish that was me. I want to be one of those crazy artists that I can't function normally. Me too. But I don't think we actually want that. <clears throat> I don't know how No, probably that not. I want people to say it about me, but I don't want to be that way. Um, here are these great photographs of her working, just weaving that Is she wire. like an empty bubble space? What is that on the back of her? I think that's just like a wall it looks like she's laying on a bean bag or it something looks to me like she's in a void i mean sure it looks really disorienting <laughs> because she came from black mountain she had some shows what is just cute i know because she came from black mountain she had some shows where very famous collectors came and bought her work nelson rockefeller family were early collectors Commercially, she was being accepted, but critically, it was a mess. Oh, cool. So people were buying her work, but like the art world was, uh, I don't know about you. The reviews of her work from 54 and 56, she was basically being called a housewife. The work is decorative and oriental wow. art. That's so annoying yeah. in like a thousand ways. First of all, saying that housewives and oriental just like talking down on it like that's a bad thing mm-hmm. and then on top of that misunderstanding her work completely <laughs> cool but i mean people were still buying and collecting it she just like yeah she's like i'm making money it. so who cares <laughs> you guys <suck>. well <laughs> i think we'd have the same argument if people were buying it but it, we weren't being kind of accepted and respected yeah. it would be difficult for sure Wire had been an instrument of her confinement, and she transforms it into something that is shimmer that is shimmering mesh. Her work appeared several times in the annual exhibitions at the Whitney Museum of American Art. Those exhibitions were in 50, 55, 56, and 58, and in the 1955 Sao Paulo Art Biennial. That sounds like critical acclaim to me. <laughs> um, yeah, girl. 
So then she started making these hanging cut wire weavings, Mm -hmm. which I don't even know how to describe these. They look floaty like a dress in the wind, but stagnant. Water. Yeah, like water. Yeah. There's like, it's very wavy. And then where it's cut, it like splays out like wings or something. Yeah. Imagine like an upside down wine glass, but made of wire and then just like cut one side of it like both edges would just be like outward that doesn't make any sense (laughs) that's what this one looks like to me an upside down wine glass like how it's like a bowl upside down anyways we'll post photos it's hard to describe it's very graceful though graceful and also is it cut it's not she weaved it that way on purpose yeah so it just looks like it is disrupted In 1962, Asawa began experimenting with tied wire sculptures of images rooted in nature that become increasingly geometric and abstract as she continued to work in that form. The curator of the De Young Museum in San Francisco, Danielle Cornell, said, Ruth was ahead of her time in understanding how sculptures could function to define and interpret space. This aspect of her work anticipates much of the installation work that has come to dominate contemporary art. Asawa often describes these tide wire sculptures, the ones below, um, using mm. terms such as, so these ones down here are flatter. They're more like two-dimensional. They're made out of wire or branches, I think, and they kind of have like a star in the middle, and then they, the material goes out to form like a circle at the end that just like fragments off into these like little tiny branches and spikes. Yeah, right? I didn't see this going this direction. That's weird. Huh. That looks really pokey. I can't I hate working with wire. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> poke the ends of your fingers. So she describes these tied wire sculptures using terms such as hmm. tree and branching yeah. form. She began with a center stem of two hundred to one thousand wires, which she then divided into branches using nature as her model. As she continued working in this form, she moved into more abstract forms using geometric centers of four, five, six, and seven points. If you look at these sculptures, you can see how the number of points in the center defines the forms that the branches take. As with her other work, these tied wire forms gave her the freedom to explore how, quote, the relationship between outside and inside was interdependent, integral. Mm, math. <laughs> so these ones were done in 1965 then her work changed so i mean it's all similar but it really does take so many different forms so now osawa began experimenting with cast forms in the mid-1960s for her first public commission the mermaid fountain at garadelli square she had to design the mermaid's tail. Her solution was to first loop it in wire and then dip it in wax and then cast it in bronze. She enjoyed working with the fa- the foundry men at the San Francisco Art Foundry, and she was captivated by how she could take an idea from one material, add to it with wax, have it invested and made into a mold, and then see it transformed into bronze. She did this with wire paper, baker's clay, even persimmon stems. Her cast sculptures reaffirmed what she learned from her teacher, Joseph Albers, at Black Mountain College. Quote, the artist must discover the uniqueness and integrity of the material. Mm-hmm. So here are some of like her bronze, just bronze casting of 
the weavings up above that fountain is so weird like why or it doesn't look yeah anything why like... were they like so we'll, we'll handle the turtle in the woman's face <laughs> but just do the tail it's just a kind of a weird request yeah so in 1966, Osawa created her first representational work, A Mermaid Fountain in Ghirardelli Square on San Francisco's waterfront. We were at Ghirardelli yeah, Square. We I'm were. sure we saw this when we went on Olive Ryan. I was Ryan really focused trip. on chocolate, I think. And ice cream. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I got cream. ice cream there. <laughs> Even though it was kind of cold. It was freezing. Near Union Square on Stockton Street between Post and Sutter Streets, she created a fountain for which she mobilized 200 school children to mold hundreds of images of the city of San Francisco in dough, which were then cast in iron. Over the years, she went on to design other public fountains and became known in San Francisco as the Fountain Lady. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see that one coming. Wait. Um, is this the San Francisco one, the one right below the, the, the mermaid? Yes. That one's pretty cool. So here's a list of them. There's Andrea, 1966, which is the mermaid fountain at Ghirardelli Square. Fountain, 1973. The Hyatt on Union Square. Fountains, 1976. The Bukanan Mall. Uh, Nihonmachi, San Francisco. Aurora. 1986, the origami-inspired fountain on SF Waterfront, then the Japanese-American internment memorial sculpture, 1994, in San Jose, and the Garden of Remembrance, 2002, at the San Francisco State University. So this one down here, this flat one, that's the internment remembrance one. And on one side, it was life before, and it was all of her farm life. And on the other side, it was the internment life. Mm -hmm. I was trying to find the picture of the farm life, and I couldn't find a good close-up picture. But it was the horses and gardening and stuff. And then this is, not see her you work. know, the men on the watchtowers and the people in the stables. So just didn't see it go in this direction. It looks so different. Right? And then, like, the barbed wire fence all on this, like, rectangle bronze piece. Yeah, it turns, like, so much more figurative and, like, storytelling. Yeah. It's good, though, like, yeah, it's good that to have someone that could tell that story so personally. Mm-hmm. So she would speak up when things weren't right. She got involved in politics and public schools. The internment camps in Black Mountain shaped how she felt about artists in schools and how art can be a great educational tool. In 1968, she was appointed to be a member of the San Francisco Arts Commission She got foundation grants, federal grants. She became a line item on the SF district budget. Thousands of children uh, were benefited by these programs. Mm -hmm. Osawa helped co-found the Alvarado Arts Workshop for school children in 1968. In the early 1970s, this became the model for the Arts Commission's Neighborhood Arts Program using money from the federal funding program. The government put her in, like, a cage when she was little, and then now they're giving her money to help other children. Yep. <laughs> Full circle. Sorry about yeah, that. Whoops. Asawa believed in a hands-on experience for children and followed the approach, quote, learning by doing. Asawa believed in the benefit of children learning from professional artists, something she adopted from learning from practicing artists at Black Mountain College. 
She believed that classroom teachers could not be expected to teach the arts on top of all of their other responsibilities. 85% of the program's budget went toward hiring professional artists and performers for the students to learn from. Cool. Right? This was followed up in 1982 by building a public arts high school. The school was renamed the Ruth Asawa San Francisco School of the Arts in her honor in 2010. Asawa would go on to serve on the California Arts Council, the National Endowment for the Arts in 1976, and from 89 to 97, she served as a trustee on the Fine Arts Museum of San Francisco. Hell yeah. It's true, though, because, like, when I was painting with those third graders, they were, like, mm-hmm. had no, even though they've taken this art class and they ha- and their art teacher is a cool artist and stuff, they still, like, you do this? This is your job? Like, they just don't get it. And then they're all excited. Like, I went home and told my mom, I want to do what you do when I grow up. And I'm just like, Aww. that's so cool. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I ever saw professional artists as a child. And that's why in high school, my, my mom was like, you can go to art school. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing. And she was like, yeah, yeah it is. And she always encouraged me making art, but I just never saw anyone who actually did it in real life. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so cool of her. Yeah, especially when you don't see that artists can be successful. You know, it's really hard to believe yeah. that it can happen. Well, and then I also falsely believed that anyone could be successful when I got out of college. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's, yeah. it's hard. We're all like, immediate <laughs> yeah. success, right? It's harder than that. You don't just hire interns straight out of college. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay, back to the podcast. So Lang, I don't know who Lang is. I'm sorry. Someone said, (laughs) sometimes the most interesting artists aren't the heroic male abstract expressionist painters. What? Sorry, Clifford. Um, Clifford would be like, you're just wrong. You're blatantly wrong. It's fine. Don't even talk about me. (laughs) Stop talking. But someone like Ruth Asawa, who does her work at home, surrounded by her children, with the simplest materials, and is still able to make something amazing. Okay, now I feel better. She's the crazy artist, but she's also a mom. She's not just the crazy artist Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist. Yeah. And she cares about the next generation of Mm -hmm. artists. And she's doing stuff for kids. It's the best. Yeah. She read a lot about the internment in order to do a broader story than uh, specifically her own story. Ruth said... I don't want it to be seen as a memorial to the Japanese. It can happen to anybody if you don't pay attention. This can happen to you too. Fuck. I'm so glad she didn't see what happened. <laughs> no. I know. See what's happening yeah. right now? Um, I say this sentiment weighs particularly heavy during a time where we have the border detention facilities, families separated, children in cages, having basics like soap and toothbrushes withheld from them. Mm -hmm. Ruth said, it taught me not to be afraid of the unknown. The unknown is really the thing that frees you into the universe, I think. In 2005, in celebration of the opening of the redesigned De Young Museum in San Francisco, Golden Gate Park, Ruth Asawa donated 15 sculptures to the museum for a permanent installation. Have you been there? This grouping... I have a long time ago. I want to go back. But it's like a just sculptures? Like soon. Um, 15 sculptures to the museum for a permanent installation. This grouping was personally selected by Asawa to exemplify the range of her sculptural forms. In keeping with the artist's belief that art should be 
readily accessible to all. These works are housed in the education tower where there is no charge oh, for I visitors. Like her. <gasps> She's so love... cute as an older no. woman. Oh my god. <laughs> I love the movement of art museums like not yeah. charging. Yeah. You know? I like it when they have free days because I'm also of the mind that like yeah. artists should make money and we shouldn't be, you know, like <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's a real thing that not it's not just free, but um but yeah, when they have like free art I don't know, Denver Museum has like free yeah, like Saturday. Free you know? Saturdays. Yeah. That's cool. Ruth passed away of natural causes in her San Francisco home at the age of eighty seven mm-hmm. on August fifth, two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, later there's a show, it ended earlier this year, but Ooh. it's called Ruth Asawa. Life's work it was curated by Tamara H. Schenkenberg is the curator at the Pulitzer Arts Foundation. The show went from (laughs) September 2018 to February 2019. This landmark career-spanning show brings together some 80 works comprising nearly 60 sculptures from the work trajectory, from the full trajectory of her career, including looped wire, tied wire, electroplated and cast works as well as 20 drawings and collages some of which date back to her years at black mountain college no one never finds my college drawings i know right <laughs> burn them um Ooh. okay so these photographs they're so pretty all hung together so gorgeous Those drawings are it. nice i want to see more drawings mm-hmm. those are cool i know her drawings i should have had actual images of her no, drawings God, they're really nice cool Ooh, these hanging um oh so she doesn't put them on a wall those like, branch yeah, ones they hang. okay yeah all right oh my god okay go on to tell people where they can see her <laughs> jesus yeah if you want to see her work in person here's where you can see it the the young museum uh there's a show going on through october 2020 that has a bunch of her work in it um i think she's also in like the permanent collection in that one place so you can just see it all year round too education always but then the whitney museum april 2020 through april 2020 the Cantor arts center at stanford through may 2020 guggenheim through january 2020 sfo museum through february 2020 Art Institute of Chicago through January 2020 and Museum of Fine Arts Boston through May 2021. So if you live in or around any of these places, go see her work. Can we, when the pot, when someone starts donating $1 a month, can we start taking trips to places like the Institute of Art Institute of Chicago or whatever and like do museum trips and start gathering things and like doing cool stories and showing people stuff cool things together yeah if you want to see more things of us doing things together like going and showing you different museums and shows and artists and just recording more go on patreon donate even if it's just like a dollar anything look for loose change somewhere so much i have a whole can of loose change don't buy a coffee like one day just one day will support four months Mm mm-hmm Depending on where you live. If you live in New York, probably more <laughs> six months or something. Yeah. That would be so helpful to us. And then we could make so much more and teach you about so many more yeah. people. And and at a certain point, at some cost, I don't remember, 
but you get to request artists too. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be so cool? And you'd be like, I want to hear about this person. Like, okay, done. Let me tell yeah, you about we'll them. We'll dedicate it to you. We'll say your name and be like, Bobby Brown. This episode is for you. That's makeup. We'll just talk. To- oh, that is makeup. <laughs> I used to use their mascara before I was cheap. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just talk. Hey, Bobby Brown. We'll just hey, talk the whole time to you. Hey, Bobby, listen. This is the artist. Blah, blah, blah. You <laughs> could play friends. it for other people and be like, these are my friends. So if you don't have friends and you're not very social and all you do is listen to podcasts and you want to pretend to other people at your job in your office cubicle that you have friends, all you have to do is mm-hmm. become a Patreon member and get the most expensive one and support us. And then we'll dedicate whole episodes to you. Ooh, we'll call ooh, you on your home phone. Should we add it. that? Call, we'll call you on your cell phone and say hi <laughs> and then be like, yeah, we could do that. Who should we talk about? Have a discussion about it. Have mm-hmm. a little chat. I liked it. Before mm-hmm. I forget, so I got all of this information through ruthasawa.com, a great Artbound episode. And if anyone hasn't watched Artbound, you should. I found it on Amazon Prime and it's so interesting. Every episode is really good, really well made. I also found information on davidswerner.com, who is in charge of Ruth's estate, and then on Artnet and Sculpture Magazine. That's all. Good job. And then I made up about half of it. Oh, the Pearl Harbor part? <laughs> that You made that up, right? Oh, I was going to say, that seems crazy. I just needed some drama. That's like going to the moon. Like, pff, we never did that. Danny said our goodbye is abrupt, but I feel like, what are we supposed to do? Draw it out? We love you. <laughs> You're my best friend, Bobby Brown. And call me later. We're about to end. You've come to the end of Don't this trip with us. Don't freak out. We're about to hang up the Thank phone. Thank you for participating. Go look at our Instagram. In today's episode of Ruth Asawa. If you want to learn Japanese, I suggest downloading Duolingo. If you want to any language, download Duolingo. It's the coolest. It's like a fun game. It's the coolest. My favorite word is post office. Yubin kyoku. Oh, that's a cute word. I like lagartija. It means salamander. That's not Japanese. In Spanish. I'm also learning dirty is kitanai. Red is aka. What is red? Uh, aka. That's cute. Oh, let's do colors. Ready? Go. Red is, I only know three colors okay. so far. Oh. Red is aka. Uh-huh. What's it in Spanish? Oh, rojo. Everyone knows Spanish. Uh, white is shiro. Blanco. And blue is ao. Azul. They're very different. <laughs> These are not romance languages. I mean, mine Dog is, is inu. Perro. Cat is Neko, I think. Gato. Cat. Japanese. Let me make sure. <laughs> <laughs> you were looking at your computer screen, so I thought you were staring straight at me, and I'm like, why is she I was, saying? but no. Ne. Yeah, ko. Neko. Okay, okay got that right. Ooh. Your pronunciation um, is very pretty. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Bird is tori. Pajaro. Mm, Let's do counting. Ready? One. Oh, no. Dos. Ni. Tres. No, dos. we're two. <laughs> Ichi. Tres. One. Oh, no. damn it. <laughs> One. Okay. Ichi. Uno. Two. Ni. Dro- dos. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just do three already. <laughs> San. Tres. Yon. Cuatro. Go. Cinco. Roku. Ses. Nana. Siete. 
Hachi. Ocho. Q. Nueve. Two. Diez. Ne, and then my favorite ne, ne, is ne, ne. when you come home, you say, Tadaima. Oh. And then, and then when people are home, they say, welcome home. They go, Okairi. That's so cute. Why do they yeah. say it so cutely, though? Is that, like, necessary? Wait, what do they say in the, what was the first one? Tadaima. Yeah, but what is it? I'm home. Oh, I'm home. Yeah. Honey, I'm and home. So I'm learning. If you want to learn, get Duolingo. Sorry, this was such a tangent. Um, hey, Duolingo, can you please uh, sponsor us? Yeah, that would be amazing. I would That's love to do commercials. Commercials sound so much fun to do. It's a picture of an owl, and so Romy always pushes it on my phone. He thinks it's like a game or something. Aww. Not that I let him play games, but... I love that he's learning Spanish, though. He basically just knows how to count. That's and still... In mochila. <laughs> I don't know why. That's the one thing I taught him. <laughs> what is that? Backpack. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping so much it would be ice cream. <laughs> oh, no. Helado. <laughs> <laughs> no and he knows water just like a few things we don't oh really water is to. omizu oh awa okay okay we're now we're leaving <laughs> prepare your flight has landed we love you so much welcome to denver well, welcome to denver and sebastopol tell people about us if you mm-hmm. enjoy listening and you find it helpful and feel like we're your best friends mm-hmm. be careful have a good week drive safely Tell your parents you love them if you love them. And if you don't Mm -hmm. love them, you don't have to. It's fine. Tell people that you do love that you love them. Yeah. There we go. It doesn't have to be parents. We're signing off now. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.